that I go to the Lord in prayer, and what the Lord's been showing me, he's showing me strength. And more accurately, he's been saying uh, to me um, through this, he's saying to, uh, to begin to teach and encourage the church in this day and hour uh, to strengthen themselves. And uh, so I've been kind of going over what that means and kind of bringing messages. This will be about the third message. I've, I've, I've been on that bent right there as far as, as far as looking over the scriptures. Two people stand out in my mind when I talk about, when I'm thinking about spiritual strength, uh, uh, you know, other than Jesus himself. But I mean, in the Old Testament, what I shared with you with David. David and the other one in the New Testament is Paul. Uh, and I'm going to be speaking a little bit about Paul this morning and doing different things about spiritual strength. Now, I know when I go to the Lord and he, and he, and he keeps bringing up the same thing over and over again uh, for me to go ahead and, 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 um, and put it into a teaching and begin to share it with the church and begin to announce this stuff. Uh, it's, it's either happening now or it's about to happen. Uh, it's always looking in the now. Uh, God doesn't look behind. It's always, always, always for the now, right now, where we need strength in the church or things that are about to come up. Uh, God will prepare his people before they happen. And uh, so, but all the, every time I, I, I look at this thing, I, I go to the prayer and God says, strengthen yourself, strengthen in the Lord, uh, share in church about strengthening and give the scriptures that will bring strength to the body of Christ. And that's what he's talking about. Um, I mean, so the title of my message this morning is Strengthening Your Stand. How I many are standing? Well, I know right now you're sitting, but I mean, I mean, <laughs> uh, especially you're standing, standing on something, standing for something. Uh, so we're going to strengthen that stand this morning by going over some of the scriptures that God has given us. But I put this in my notes. It says, all fruit, fruitfulness uh, in our lives flow from a place of intimacy with the Lord. God never scolded anyone for seeking his hand. But our intimacy happens when we begin to seek his face. I mean, no, every time we look at when Jesus would, um, would somebody ask us something, he reached his hand and he healed him. And what happens is we, a lot of times we look for the hand of God to come in and do something for us. But how many know that there's times when God wants to do something through us? And what happens, we get into this idea and all of a sudden, uh, God isn't doing for us like we expect him to. Uh, God doesn't seem to be moving for us. Uh, maybe that is a time that we're wrangling with God's will, and the fact is it's his will for that time that he wants to do something through us. And I believe this is where a lot of places where we're at today, God's still doing stuff for us in our church and in our ministry, but I'm, I'm seeing this. I shared with the leadership this morning in the war room. I said, I said, you know, I see what God wants to do stuff through us. He wants to use this church. He wants to use our lives to work through us. To do that, we've got to be, number one, we've got to be strong in the things of what God is telling us. Another thing, we've got to be ready. And we have to be willing and we have to be faithful to the things of God so he can use us. It's not the fact that he doesn't want to use us. A lot of times we dismiss ourselves from being used for one for one reason or another. Well, let me start this morning in the scripture. If you turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I love this scripture and this is a real positive note. Uh, Paul writes in, in, in to the Philippian church, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many, that's great. I like all things. I like being strong. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we've taken that scripture over the years in the church. And we meant it. All things mean all things. How many's ever heard that? All things mean all things. Well, 
Hang on for just a second, because I want to give you a sister verse while I see uh, to that, or a verse that goes along with that, and it's John chapter 15, verse 5. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus himself says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. How many know that the branches get their resources from the vine? So whatever the vine supplies is what they have. As branches. He says, so I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Then he says this, for without me you can do nothing. <laughs> so i got to take the all things through Christ, and what Christ says, without me you can do nothing, i got to boil it down and say those all things must be all the things that God has chosen and called us to do. Not all things that we desire to see for ourselves, but all things that concern us being the branch in the vine, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't it amazing that the all things uh, through Christ requires strength? Now, I'm not talking about physical strength. Uh, uh, you can go to a gym and watch these guys press the barbells and do it and, and all. So I'm not talking about that kind of strength. What we're talking about kind of strength is spiritual strength. It's not even physical, it's not even emotional strength, how well you can hold up under pressure. It's talking about spiritual strength and how you can see in any situation, I'm going to share some scriptures this morning, how you can see in any situation, you can see the hand of God moving and look towards that for your resources and strength and not just towards a problem. How many times, a lot of times we get focused so much on the problem that we forget there's a God behind that problem. Amen. Uh, not causing it. God doesn't cause anything evil to come upon us, but, but I don't know, he's got the solution, but a lot of times the solution is on the other side of that problem. Right? Pray. How many are with me this morning? Okay. Glory. Not really encouraged right now, but that's okay. It'll come along. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> How many think they can get on the wagon as we, get, as we, as we proceed? All right. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so that's the one scripture. And I like this in, in Hebrews uh, 1 3, it says, upholding all things by the word of his power. So there's is another aspect. In other words, Christ is upholding all things. This is where we have to get our strength from. We have to understand that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me as long as I'm fastened to the vine, as long as I get my source, my resource from him. I can do all things in Christ. But he upholds all things. And it says this. It says, by the word of his power. I went and broke that down into the Greek and see what the two words, word and the word power. The word word means rhema. I know what rhema means. Rhema means spoken word. So God upholds all things by his spoken word. And the word power means deutimus. And deutimus means miraculous power. So God holds, upholds all things by the spoken word and by his a rhema, or his power, uh, I'm sorry, by his deutimus power, which basically uh, is a miraculous working power. Amen. So here's how this, here's how it happens. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, providing that I'm in the vine, because from I'm not in him, I can do nothing. So if I'm going to exclude Christ, you can stand that scripture all you want, but if you ex exclude Christ, you're not going to do anything. <laughs> but so let's, let's say we're not excluding him, we're in the vine, and we're doing all things. Then he says he upholds all things by the word rhema, his spoken word, and his deutimus power. Can I suggest to you this morning that a lot of our power that Christ has put in us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is released by, what, by our words going forth. 
And there's deutimus in our words when we use the same words that, that, that is spoken of in the scriptures and when Christ, the words that Christ used. So when Christ spoke, that was it. Remember, he, he spoke to the lepers and they were healed. Uh, he, 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 he spoke to dead bodies and they raised up. So there was, there was a deutimus power. The Bible says in Romans, it said, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, not a different one, but the same spirit, the same spirit was, was, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. It doesn't say visit us. It says dwells in us. That means it makes a habitation. It lives there. Amen? Amen? All right. You encouraged yet? Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> so uh, uh, the, the looking on, uh, in uh, Hebrews, I'll give, you, I'll give you another scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, says this. This is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, joy, who for the joy is set before him, endured the cross, despising shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father, right hand of the throne of God. It says our goal is to sustain our focus on him. So let me give you a key to the strength that I'm talking about. If we lose focus on Jesus, we'll lose the strength that he's given us. Our strength is, comes from the focus, looking unto Jesus, because he's the author and finisher of our faith. Without faith, we can receive nothing from him. So how many know we need, need to maintain a focus on Jesus to get, uh, regain our strength? Praise the Lord. And to, to get, get our strength. Uh, uh, the, <clears throat> the key to, uh, um, to either great purpose or great destruction lies in where we choose to sustain our focus. The focus is very important. Um, take your focus off of Christ, and I'll guarantee you there'll be a weakness that comes in your spirit. And it's subtle. A lot of times it's subtle, isn't it? It doesn't happen all at once, but there's a weakness that comes, and the weakness is designed to pull us down and to into, uh, keep us opposite of what Christ has called us to do. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, amen. Um, and I, I was looking at different things, and, and I was sharing, um, I was studying this week, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures, so you just jot them down, and I'm going to get into the meat of the message. I want to, I want to lay a foundation here this morning for the direction I'm going in with this particular uh, message. So, uh, but it's, it says, uh, I pray the eyes of your understanding in, in Ephesians 1, 18, is that may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope in which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. The thing is, eyes of your heart. This is the thing in our Western culture, we don't realize what this saying means, but we, we, we have a tendency in our mindset to compartmentalize or put in compartments uh, different things. In other words, when, I come, when it comes to feelings or thinking, uh, the heart feels and the mind thinks. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, well, I, I feel with my heart. Uh, you know, my wife said, do you, do you really love me with your heart? Not really. It's a blood pump. I just kind of, it's really, no way. It's just a, but, he, but what it says in Ephesians is the eyes of your heart. In the Hebrew contents in the Bible, it, what it talks about is the heart being the center of man and everything. Thought, feelings, the whole thing is in the heart of man. Uh, uh, to make a, the point, uh, in case, case in point, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says this, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. You've heard me say this a lot of times. The, the, he thinks in his heart. He thinks with his heart. In other words, the mind, the emotions, the feelings, everything about us really is called, in, in Hebrew terminology, really called the heart of man. It's, it's the center of everything. And basically, how we feel, what we do, the decisions we made come out of that heart. 
So can you see if our heart isn't fixed with Jesus, if we're not plugged into the vine, then basically it's going to be, it's going to be plugged into something else. And when our heart, whatever our heart, as we think in our heart, that's the direction we're about to take. Whatever we're th- our thoughts are in our heart, that's where we're about to, uh, to, to, to move off, off or on course when the other. So in talking about strengthening, spiritual strengthening, we've got to deal with the heart. We have to deal with the, with the, with the idea that God has to be an influencer in our heart. Amen? And uh, so uh, let's, let's continue on. I, I remember this story. I was reminded of this story. Because I hear a lot of times people, Christians going through problems, and why does God have us go through difficulties, and why do we go through difficulties? Well, God doesn't cause the difficulties, but what happens, he uses the difficulties a lot of times as a process to strengthen us. Amen? How many ever been through a difficult problem, Watch God get them out of it, then all of a sudden the next time a problem comes up, I know exactly what to do with this one. You've gained experience. How many know the first time was scary, the second time, well, you don't like it, but the fact is, hey, I've seen God move like this before. And all of a sudden, there's a new strength, there's a, there's a boost in our morale, because I, 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 I even know the answer before the problem even hit. Because we've been through this, but we'll see how this, we've been through this before. Are you here? <laughs> now, the devil, on the other hand, he's trying to make it, make it seem, well, this is different. This is a bigger problem. I don't know if God's going to get you out of this one. Right? So that twinge of doubt wants to come in. What does that do? It weakens, weakens our faith. It weakens our posture. It weakens everything that we are. And this is where the weakening comes in and it removes our strength. I, 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 of all things, I was in the sixth grade. I was just a kid. This story came to me as I'm, as I'm going over this message. I don't know what it had to do with chickens. But anyway, uh, I grew up in upstate New York, and I grew up as a kid around farms. And so a lot of kids I went to school with were farmers, sons and daughters and different things like that. And I had a science project that me and this other fella, uh, a friend of mine, were going to do, a science project. We had to come up with a science project that we were going to present at school. I don't know if you've ever, ever done that. This is back in the day we actually had to make stuff and build stuff. But anyway, so uh, we, we got discussing with each other, and, and my friend came up with this idea. He says, what about making an incubator? Oh, an incubator for what? What are we going to hatch out of the incubator? He says, well, I, my cousins have got some chickens. I can get some fertilized eggs. We can make an incubator and set it all up, and we can hatch some chickens. I says, really? We can do that? Well, what does it take to make an incubator? Well, we get, we get some ideas and some plans. Basically, we do a couple of boxes and put one that we insulated it and all this other stuff. And, and, and I really learned that this is science of, uh, you know, without the hen sitting on the egg, the incubator de- takes away the process of the hen, and basically you put the eggs in there. Well, then you become the mother. Uh, and, and we heated it with a light bulb, and we had a thermometer there because basically it could not get over 102 degrees. I remember that. It had to stay with, within that temperature range. Uh, 103 degrees would cook the eggs and kill the chickens. So we had to really watch this thing day and night. Uh, had a little water in it because it needed humidity. And all the stuff, we had all the stuff. And every once in a while, you had to turn the eggs. And we go through all this process. And we wrote up a paper, we presented it as a science project, we showed the incubator, the eggs were about to hatch, and today we were coming out into the, uh, going to show not only, well, we were going to set up as a display, we weren't going to actually have them hatching in school, but we were going to, we had uh, hatched the chickens at home, we were going to bring the chickens, show the egg, and show the whole process, you know, and do it as a science project. Pretty cool. 
Anyways, we, what I noticed though that, that we were having trouble with one chicken hatching, didn't want to hatch. Now it pecked through the shell, and, but it, it almost got its head out, but then it kind of stopped. And it would peck a little bit more, and it was like a really slow process. So we got the idea that, well, we'll just open up the lid, we'll just peel that back a little bit and help that chicken out. We didn't know, we were just kids, I was in the sixth grade. Anyway, so we helped this chicken get out of the egg and ultimately, we killed that chicken. I learned at an early age, you help a chicken try to get out of the egg. If it doesn't hatch on its own, it will die. Why? The chicken needs to hatch itself out. It needs to go through that process of struggle for survival. Without that struggle of survival, it will not survive. Of course, when we did that, of course, you know, my friend's mother comes down. She says, you can't do that. She says, you'll kill the chicken. I said, why do we kill the chicken? I said, we're giving it every opportunity to live, but yet the thing died. He said, no, they, got, they have to go through the struggle. And going through the struggle is what gives them the strength and gives them the to survive. Otherwise, they just die. It's their first cause in the new world. Amen? So I thought that was pretty cool. And I thought, you know what, a lot of things, we're overlooking a lot of the things that we go through because we don't like discomfort, we don't want to go through problems, we don't, but we're overlooking a lot of the benefits of the problems and stuff that we go through, looking at God to get us to the other side. But it's like if we don't have, the, it's like that chicken, if we don't do the struggle, then what happens on the other side, we will not survive because basically it's gonna, uh, there's going to be another thing coming, coming along. So I looked at that, and when I was thinking about this scripture, I, I was thinking about Paul. Paul is one of my New Testament heroes. If you want to get an encouragement, you just need to read, read about Paul. How he started out was so backward from how he wound up, it isn't funny. I mean, if Paul was Saul, he was a persecutor of the church, was zealous towards God, but he thought he was doing God a favor by getting rid of these heretics. He was a guy that held the coat for Stephen when Stephen was stoned to death for, being, for, for preaching the gospel. And, and he was the one holding his coat. He was the accuser. That means hold, when you hold the man's coat, that, means, that makes you the accuser. Until one day coming back to Jerusalem on the road to Damas from Damascus, and Jesus met him on the highway and knocked him off his horse, blinded him, and then he had to depend on the church to get his eyesight back. Isn't that amazing? But what happened was Saul became, became Paul. And isn't it amazing? This son of a Pharisee became the one mouthpiece for the Gentile church. Most everybody, all the converts in, in the time that, that believed in Jesus were Jews. It was Paul that brought the message uh, to the Gentiles in such a big way. So, so God had a completely reversed process to this guy. But Paul had something down that seemed like n nobody really had it like he had it. And that was how to gain spiritual strength in the midst of some of the worst problems you can imagine. He writes in Ephesians, uh, what was it, um, Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, how many has ever uh, read about the armor of God? It's in, the same, it's in the same chapter. Ephesians chapter 6 is amazing. But he says this. He says, uh, uh, and by the way, if you ever want to see what the armor looked like, what Paul was looking at, uh, when Paul was looking at a Roman soldier, he was mentioned in pieces of armor, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. And I always thought the breastplate 
was something that was just down the front. I used to hear preachers say, you don't have any backward protection because we never retreat. Well, we don't retreat, that's true, but the fact is, if you look at the Roman armor, because we, uh, we had gotten period correct, uh, museum quality replica of that armor of the same time Paul was, was uh, in prison, looking at the Roman soldiers. We have it in our war room, we have a model of that. And I noticed something, that the breastplate of righteousness, we have the scripture on the bottom of this, so you can read it, but the breastplate of righteousness goes all the way around. Roman soldiers didn't leave their backside, didn't leave their, their backs exposed, but the armor went completely around their middle. God's righteousness completely encompasses us. I like that in the, in the armor. Anyway, Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Finally, my brethren, uh, if you want to turn to verse 10, I'm going to start in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. If anybody can, if you, when, when anybody can bring apart, bring about strength, this is the guy you want to listen to. Paul is saying, finally, my brethren, I've told you all this other stuff, but bottom line, finally this, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, not your strength, his strength. Did you catch that? Power of his might. Putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles, the word wiles means trickery, uh, cleverness or whatever, uh, you know, uh, tricks mostly. Uh, 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 walls of the devil. Do not, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That, in other words, your brothers and sisters are not your problem. The neighbor, uh, the, the, the neighbor next door is not your problem. Uh, um, uh, politics is not your problem. Uh, the government's not your problem. He said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. He says, therefore, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all the stand, having done all the stand, it's not until you've done all the stand. He said, then what do you do after you've done all the stand? I love this part. It's deep. Are you ready for this? Stand, therefore. <laughs> I love it. It's, okay, I'm, after you've done everything to stand, here's what you do next. Stand. In that word, stand, doesn't mean retreat. It doesn't mean go back. It doesn't mean give up. It doesn't mean throw your hands up. It doesn't mean get frustrated. It means to stand. No matter what happens in or around me. Now, Paul demonstrated this in his life. I'm going to get into that in a minute because it's, it's remarkable, this guy. But he demonstrated this same thing. He said, anybody can talk a good talk. But to do this in his life and to watch it, that's a whole other story. We can sit and listen to sermons all day long. We can listen to Bible. But when you have to put it to practical use, it becomes a different story. Now we're talking about me. Now it's no longer talking about Paul. Now all of a sudden I find I need the armor. I need to make a stand for what God, I know God has put me through, put, put me into. And the call he has on my life. Understand something. God is looking to co-labor with us. That means we're going to get into situations because the devil's fighting against anybody co-laboring with God. You're bound to get into some situations that aren't going to be pretty. But the fact is you determine and you take a stand. This is our stand. Are we going to serve the Lord or not? Then let's put away all the nonsense and serve him for crying out loud. Amen? Not just look for his hand for God to do something for us, but look for his face so we can be one with him. And we can have the heart of the Father. 
This is what this is what he's saying. This is what when you've done all to stand, you've done every part, you've taken on. And isn't it amazing that helmet of salvation? I love the helmet of salvation because it's protection of our thoughts. Going into problems, we have to know we are saved. We have to know because we know what we have in Christ. We have to know the attack of our knowledge, the attack of what we what we think about, has to be secured underneath that helmet. That's the protection there. Amen. And I know, relax, I'm not going to get out of a felt board and do all the little things like we do with the kids. Now forget that. We're, we're just, this, is a, this is a comment over the next thing I want to get into. But having done all the stand, stand therefore, have your loins girt about, your, your, having your uh, waist uh, girt about with truth. In other words, a lie will slip your belt down. Amen? A lie will loosen your belt. Praise the Lord. So have your loins girt about, girt about with the truth. In other words, with the truth, having on a blessed prayer of righteousness. And we can go through the whole thing. You know, you know all the armor of God, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, so on and so forth. And he, and he uses these examples. But I went to back through this, and I looked up the word stand in the Greek, and this is what it means. It means to abide. It means to appoint, to continue. Listen to this. And I, this is out of several different dictionaries, not just the strong, but several different Greek dictionaries. It means covenant. The word stand means take up that covenant that you have with God. You know, that exchange of life for life is what it means. It means to establish, hold up, lay present, and to set up. In other words, you're here for the duration. Hmm, in that, in that stand. So I said, okay, well, how does, this, how does this play out? I want to see this in practicality. So all of a sudden I go over to Acts chapter 16, which I know very well. And looking over to Acts chapter 16, I said, you know what? I looked at it this week. I said, this will preach. This, this is good. Acts chapter 16, if you follow along with me, verse 22, it says, then the multitude rose up together against them. How many know Paul? Let me, let me give you the background because I'm kind of starting in the middle of the story. The background is Paul uh, uh, and Silas went to Philippi to preach the gospel. And they're on the streets just preaching, and, and here, here these guys are. Now, what the people in Philippi see, they see these two Jews that came from Jerusalem, came from Israel. Philippi, uh, the city of Philippi right now is in, we're talking about Turkey, around modern-day Turkey where, where this is situated. So they're completely out of their country. And they're walking through. All of a sudden, uh, this girl starts following them, and she starts saying about them. She said, these guys uh, are servants of the Most High God. Blah, blah, blah. She's gonna, uh, but she's not prophesying according to the Spirit of God. She's mocking according to the Spirit of the devil. And the, in the Greek, the spirit that was upon her the, is called python. It's a python spirit. It's connected to, to Apo, um, Apollo. Apollo was the, god that, the Greek god that they worshipped and so on and so forth. Uh, um, python was a snake. Uh, uh, Apollo killed the snake. They could foresee the future and all this other garbage. So basically, she was, she was entering into witchcraft of some sort, or the occult, and she was muttering these words. Paul put up with it for a while, and all of a sudden he got tired of this nonsense. And he reached back, and he says, and he cast the devil out of her, cast that spirit out of her. There's only one problem with that. The spirit left. She was set free, but she could not foresee the future anymore. She could not 
uh, uh, fortune tell. She could not do these things. And of course, her, her masters that were making bunches of money off of her didn't like that. Without another thought, without even considering who these guys were, all they saw were Jews. So let's just strip these guys down, beat them in rods, and throw them in prison because they just ruined our business. Okay, that's where we pick up the story. Paul is sitting there, they're stripping him down, they're beating him, and they throw him to the inner parts of the city because the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates, that's the, that's the police or the, or the judges, tore off their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods. And verse 23, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them secretly, securely, I'm sorry, securely, having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison, that's the worst part, in the inner prison, and fastened their feet in the stocks, and there they are. I don't know what kind of day you're having today, but on any day of the week, that's a bad day. Would we can call that a bad day? Would we call that a problem? Okay, we're doing the Lord's work. Where's the Lord's protection? I would be thinking, I mean, I'm doing God's work. Here we just had a miraculous miracle. We cast out a devil and nobody else could cast out. And here we are. And for casting out that devil, we're beaten up, we're bloody, and we're thrown into prison. I don't know what you look like, but that looks like to me like a bad day. But remember the strengthening, he says? Put on the full armor of God, and when you've done all the stand, stand therefore with your loins girt about with truth. One thing they had, they were, had the truth. It was the truth that cast out that devil. It was the truth that set that girl free. And they're not making any apologies for it, by the way. And neither should we. So now they find themselves in prison. This is amazing because they're sitting in prison, beating them bloody. At midnight, I don't know how they knew what time it was. The Bible says at midnight. He says they did something at midnight in verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They were doing harp and bowl. They were doing our Tuesday night, Saturday night thing. <laughs> they were praising the Lord and they were praying. Isn't it amazing? I see this a lot in the scriptures where they mix praise with prayer. I wouldn't knock it because the next thing that happened, it got God's attention in a big way. Because as they were singing praise, he said, in singing hymns to God, the prisoners were listening to them. It wasn't just, we're not, we're not whispering. We're saying this out loud. Everybody in the jail can hear us. It seemed to be out of character. We're, we're beaten. We're, we're put into these stocks. We're, 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 we're stripped down. Uh, there's rat-infested areas in the inner prison. This is a miserable, terrible place. This is the place we praise God? That's exactly the place you want to praise God. Amen? That is your key. Remember, when you've done all the stands, stand there for with your loins girt about with the truth. In other words, the truth is, we have a God that is able to deliver us. I like that the three Hebrew children in Babylon said, he said, well, even if he doesn't choose to deliver us, we're still not bowing to your stupid idol. <laughs> I like that. I just like Christians with backbone. Praise the Lord. Amen? So there they are in prison. Isn't it amazing? They go ahead and they're singing and all of a sudden something happens. The jailer, the Philippian jailer, all of a sudden comes under conviction. They get this guy saved. Not only that, he takes them home, he cleans them all up, takes them home, and he baptizes them in the middle of the night, baptizes him and his whole family. Then they take him back to prison. He said, no, take us back to prison. He said, we're, we're here. 
And, and, and after this earthquake hit, doors fly open. No, we're all still here. We're all still here. Paul was waiting for something. He was waiting for the magistrates, that's the judges, that's the, uh, the lawyers, the legal end of it, to come. Because all of a sudden they had found out something about Paul and Silas that they didn't really want to find out. See, what they did is they beat them and they shipped them. They saw them as Jews, but Paul, because of his mother, was a Roman citizen. And what they just did, they violated Roman law and could be put to death for beating a Roman citizen. Paul didn't know this. Paul exactly knew this. Which I got to wonder, why did Paul not say something before he got the beating? How many here would scream bloody murder before they got beaten? <laughs> say, I'm a Roman citizen. I'm, no, you can't do this. I have a lawyer. <laughs> or whatever. No, he didn't. He remained quiet. And this is what bugged me all week long thinking about this. Why didn't he say something he could have avoided all these things? Because it wasn't about his comfort and about his avoidance. Because he was strong in the Lord and the power of his might. When you've done all the stand, which he has done everything to stand, stand therefore in the truth. And the truth is God wanted to do something through him, not just something for him. And to look for something that's just God do something for me is just for my benefit and selfish self-centeredness when God really wants to do something through you for somebody else. Paul wasn't looking at what him and Silas were going to get. We're not looking for our comfort. We're still alive. God shook this prison. He made a real, uh, uh, I mean, doors flew open. I don't understand why none of those prisoners wanted to escape. But they were more afraid of Paul than they were of the Roman soldiers that were watching them. So, so, I mean, that was it. Paul, if he was to leave, he knows what, what the Roman law is. If he was to leave because the doors flew open, he saw what happened with Peter. When the angel released them from prison, guess what happened to the soldiers that were watching them? They, had to, they were killed. But this Philippian jailer just gave his heart to the Lord. He bowed down and worshipped them because he knew, man, you guys are still here. You're just saving my life as long as you're here. If you leave, I die. So they set put. I wonder, did Paul have an inclination or did he have an impression? Did he have a slight word or something from the Lord? that told them, no, stay put. I'm going to do this, this, and this, but stay put. Don't tell them you're a Roman citizen. Let them carry it out. You'll be fine. But what I want to do, I want to do something through you, not just for you. I can easily free you. I can easily do something for you anytime. But what about if I put you in a position where I can do something now through you? Are you willing? When you've done all the stand, stand there for your loins girt about with the truth. Yes, we're willing to be to let God work through us and do something through us, not just for us. Amen. Did I make that point? Praise the Lord. Yes. Now the magistrates, the legal minds, aren't afraid of Paul and Silas, but they are scared to death of the Roman government because they know right now they just committed an offense that is worthy of their death. So immediately trying to backtrack, they go down and they, they, they send a letter to the jailer saying, release those guys, all the charges are dropped, let them go. And, and so the Philip says, good news. He said, it just came down from the magistrates, you guys can go. And Paul says, we're not going. Uh-uh. We're staying right here. We're staying right here, and every prisoner is right here too. We're all staying right here. 
Well, why on earth for? He said, they just, you, got the, you got the orders. You can leave. You, you're free to go. Uh-uh. They humili humiliated us, and they beat us in public. He said, you tell them to come down, and in public, they're going to release us. Boy, you're pushing it now, Paul. Seriously, you're pushing it. Not at all. Because as soon as the magistrates do that, knew that that was an illegal act that they did, and they can't touch them, you know what Paul had from that point on? He had the keys to the city. Remember I said God doesn't want to just do something for Paul, but he wants to do, do something through him? Now, we saved a girl from a demonic uh, uh, a spirit. We saved a Philippian jailer uh, because we stayed put when we could have fleed, but we stayed behind, and he gave his heart to the Lord, and his whole household got saved. Okay, so we saved this person, we saved this person. Now the magistrates are going to make it legal we got the keys to the city. Now we're going to influence everybody. What was that? See, what was that? What was that scripture I read at the first at the beginning? It was, oh yeah, Philippians 4.11. Or 4, uh, 13, I say. Philippians, Philippians, Philippi. What does it say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul now could write a letter to the Philippian church and say, guess what happened when I was in your town? Guess what happened to us? Now I'm going to tell you, I'm standing here right now and witnessing to you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But you need to have the strengthening. You can't falter. You can't be weakened by the, by the threats of the enemy. Paul would not, would not concede to the threats of the enemy. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? This one, uh, I learned this from Exodus chapter 13. You can look it up for yourself if you want to. If God doesn't take us around a conflict, there's one reason for why he won't take us around a conflict. How many has ever wanted a conflict removed from them? God, please remove this from me. <laughs> this is going to be an uncomfortable happening. I want you to remove this from me. We're not talking about sickness or disease. We're talking about a conflict. We're talking about something somebody else is about to con uh, confront or, or whatever it might be, maybe a legal matter, whatever it is. But I notice this from Exodus chapter 13. If God doesn't take us around the conflict, it's because he's equipped us to win the conflict. That's noteworthy. A lot of times we're looking, God, take away for this conflict. Now he said, no. I'm not, taking away, I'm not taking the conflict away from you. Go right through it. He said, I've already given you equipment to win this conflict. Are you, help? Are you here? But you see, it takes a strong person to recognize that. It takes a stronger person to be willing to do that. It takes a spiritual strength that, isn't us, that we do not have normally, but is a spiritual strength that comes in. Are you here? Here's another thing, maybe make, make it easier for you. Mark chapter 6 and verse 52, you can jot it down if you want to. I'm going to go quick here, I'm running, out, I'm running low on time. Do you remember when Jesus uh, uh, took the loaves and fishes and fed the multitudes? You remember that story, right? And then the disciples got in the boat, and he said, he used that as an example. He said, he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees, or leaven of the Pharisees and, the, and leaven of Herod, and he was talking about uh, 11, he was talking about a mindset. Beware of the, the, the thinking and the process and so on and so forth. 
The disciples totally missed it all totally to get, they said, uh-oh, we forgot bread. He brought that up because we forgot to bring bread and we're on the boat already and we're all, we forgot the bread, we forgot to left it on the shore, we forgot to bring the bread. And Jesus says to me, he says, why, why do you reason amongst yourself about the leaven? And what it says in Mark chapter 6, verse 52, it says, For they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. They did not understand what Jesus, that they just saw an example of, but they did not understand because their hearts were hardened. And I've got this impression that what God is saying, he says, a hardened heart blocks our understanding of the things we need to understand. But it's a hardened heart. What's, then I had to go back to the other one. What hardens our heart? Are we okay with this? Uh, I'm not, not preaching in circles. But I mean, I mean, what hardens our heart? Cares of this world. Deceitfulness of riches. Everything hardens our heart. And what happens when we harden our heart, we lose understanding of the important things that God wants to share with us. Hmm. Paul writes again in Romans, he says this in Romans chapter 1. I had a lot of Paul. Paul wrote a lot of stuff. I mean, it was, it was good. But here's another key. Can I give you a key to getting your strength back or getting more strength, whatever you need this morning? Here's a key to it. The key is in Romans chapter 1 and verses 21 through 22. It says, because though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Let me go back to this other part. They knew God, but they did not glorify Him. In other words, they held back praise and thankfulness. And when they held back praise and thankfulness, though they professed to be wise, they became fools. Which brought me to another thing. Our thanksgiving and our praise actually opens us up to understanding. Our praise and our worship in church or whatever, at, uh, corporately or individually, uh, together, what it does, it opens us up. So they withheld that, became fools. If we release that, we see the wisdom and understanding of God. Help me by this morning? I thought that was, I thought that was very important. Because when we hold back Thanksgiving or whatever, for whatever reason, well, I don't, I don't go to church, I don't raise my hands, I don't want to look stupid. Well, the Bible says you're already a fool, so you might as well. <laughs> if you're withholding praise, if that's, if that's praise and worship, if you're, well, I, I don't really sing in church, I, I, I feel uncomfortable, then don't worry about being uncomfortable, Just I'd be more concerned about being a fool. Because the person that doesn't praise God, the Bible says right here in Romans 1, you are a fool. If you withhold the thanksgiving to God, if you withhold praise, you become the fool. Didn't that what I just read? Yeah. Some of you look at me like you're surprised. Like you just heard that for the first time. I'll read it again. It says, because they, because all the, now we're talking about the ones that know God. They knew God, they did not glorify him. So they knew him. It wasn't a person off the street. It's not, it's not a person that doesn't know God. But they, this is, these are church people. <laughs> we knew God, but they did not glorify him, nor were thankful, 
but became futile in their thoughts. It affected their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, and professing to be wise, it became fools. That's a decline simply because they would not open up their mouth and give him thanksgiving. They would not open up their mouth and give him praise. So as we're talking about strengthening the church this morning and, and strengthening our stand, how many know, can I say this, but praise and worship has to be a part of our strength and stand. God gave us praise. It's a spiritual weapon. If I was teaching on the weapons of our warfare that are not carnival, mighty through God to pull down a stronghold, praise would be right up there at the top. Prayer would be another one. Communion with God would be another one. Our communion with him builds strength within our hearts and our minds, and we stand strong. How many here want to be strong? How many here want to stay weak? None for the weak, let the record show. No votes for the weak, all votes for the strong. <laughs> so you would acknowledge that strength is better than weakness. Then I got news for you. The only way you're going to get from God what he's, what he's provided for you is to do it his way. <laughs> so if God says, come into my presence with thanksgiving, enter my gates with thanksgiving and my courts with praise, guess what? How, how do you get in the front door? Thanksgiving and praise. So I guess that's what we'll do. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. The enemy uses lies and problems, make problems appear bigger than the solutions we carry. I'm going to close with this statement. But, he, but the enemy uses lies and make problems to make problems bigger than the solutions that we carry. The enemy is empowered by human agreement to agree with anything he says gives him a place to kill, steal, and destroy. I don't have time to take this apart and preach the whole thing, but I'll tell you what, would, but it, right there I think says it all. The enemy uses lies to make the problem appear bigger than it really is. How many ever saw a problem that looks bigger than it really turned out to be? Amen. And we find out, oh, well that wasn't nothing anyway. Well, I had this all built up in my mind. How many ever had a problem built up in our mind? And, oh my God, we're, we're, we're going under, we're going under, we're going down, we're going down. And all of a sudden, it, oh, that ain't so bad. No, that's not it at all. Amen? He tries to do that because basically God has given us a solution that's bigger than the problem. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All the ways of man are pure, Proverbs 16, 2. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. But the rest of that verse says, but the Lord weighs the spirits. <laughs> God's not looking, God looking for what your opinion is. He's looking for you for what your ways are. He's looking for what, what is. He's weighing the spirit of the things. How many got something out of the word this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. Can we become the strong church that God is looking for? It's not just strong um, as a church. Uh, we are that too. But what about our personal life and our strength? How many times, uh, this, don't, don't respond to this, this is a rhetorical question, but how many times this week would you catch yourself getting in fear? Doubts, unbelief. How many times do you wonder, oh man, this, this is it. Did anybody ever think, this is, this is the end? <laughs> and then we listen to the news and we hear about the things that are going on in the rest of the world. Oh, the world's coming to an end. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's good, the world's coming to Christ. I think it has to just go through some things before it gets to Christ. 
Don't know why. I'd rather take the short, easy trip, but some people just have to take the long way around, I guess. But the fact is, I really do. I really see God moving as, as our, I see an end times, if I can use that phraseology, an end times revival. I believe in it, and I believe in it right here in Key West. Amen? I really do. And I will, I will do whatever I can to preach, pray, and prophesy. Some things need to be declared. You got a lot of things as far as thoughts. You got a lot of word, maybe even memorized. But you know, Jesus, what he wanted something to move, he got up and he declared it. We see Jesus in his life. We see him as he goes into personal way. He wants to pray, praise with the Father. But when he comes out and the dead body needs to come up out of the grave, he declares it to live. When the storm needs to cease and be calm, he declared it. That's a declaration. Peace, be still. He wasn't praying to the Father. Oh, Father, please make the storm go away. He was saying, peace, be still. God has put in every one of us the same ability to be able to declare his word. But you've got to be in his word. And you've got to be in truth. But then you declare it in that declaration. Um, in, my in my years of ministry, any deliverance that we've ever uh, been part of, wherever, I, I never asked the devil, please leave. I never said, but the, but the word says, <laughs> he knows what the word says better than you do. <laughs> but I made a declaration. The declaration comes out of our heart of faith and say, no, in the name of Jesus, out in Jesus' name. Come out of him or her, whatever it is. And out it comes. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm out of time. That's my third closing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah.